And now, it's the Pixel and Roll Show with Adam McGinnis. Today's sponsor is Sneakers, a DC DMV sports apparel company. Go check out their very cool designs at sneekis.com. Hoodies, t-shirts, hats, and at checkout, enter Pixel and Roll and get 10% off your order. Also, in the process, you help support independent media. So go do it. Thanks a lot. Welcome to another edition of the Pixel and Roll Show, where we discuss the third worst basketball team in the NBA, your Washington Wizards. Hello, everyone. This is Adam McGinnis. It is November 13th, 2016. A special treat for everyone. I know this the show has been on hiatus for a couple weeks. Life, life comes at you fast. Uh, parents in town. Basketball games piling up. So I ended up not even having a season preview. Uh, and these games started. So now we are previewing or reviewing the first couple of weeks, and the treat is Mr. Rashad Mobley is in Mount P at my spot in my studio, drinking some beers, watching football, and I'm about to talk some hoops. What's up, dude? How are you, man? What's happening, Adam? The Eagles won. <laughs> Redskins win. I don't. I don't. I don't acknowledge them. <laughs> How's your week been? It's been a rough one. It's, it's been a rough week, but you know we're gonna we're gonna look forward. We're gonna be positive. We're not gonna dwell on the fact that we have a orange president. Yes, I. People are probably listen to this for escapism right. from this, uh, especially if you're on the liberal side, like like I am myself. Uh, and if you're not, I. You know, congratulations on your victory. Uh, it's, you know, I've been taking a lot of L's, but my, my football team, Iowa, beat Michigan last night. So I was really happy. They were 21-point underdogs. I went right, to the right. bar, uh, got really drunk, and celebrated. So it was, it was great. I talked to a bunch of college alums that were telling me stories about Iowa City. Then I realized that they're a lot more younger than I am. <laughs> they were like, talking about places. I'm like, okay, I don't know that place. <laughs> but it was fun. So, you know, trying to roll through it. But Rashad... Let's get into this team. That's why you're here. Let's do it. They are now two and seven. The Washington Wizards lost last night to the Bulls in Chicago. They lost to the Cavs on Friday night. They beat Boston on Wednesday. I covered that game. They lost to Houston on Monday at home, and then last weekend they lost to uh, Orlando. Beat Atlanta. Lost to Toronto, and then lost to Atlanta and Memphis. And so they're two and seven. Second, they're, they're second to the bottom in the Eastern Conference. Only the Sixers, they're two and uh, Sixers have won one game, and then they're third lowest uh, winning percentage in the NBA. Rashad, 
Just your thoughts on this season before we get into why the hell they're two and seven. Overall feelings about this season, this team. It's it's very disappointing. I mean, let's start with the summer. And not to go back, every time I write something, I feel like I mentioned this, but you don't get Durant. You have to overpay Bill. You rely on Ernie Grunfeld to put together a bench that, as we now now know, is substandard. And you have a new coach come in, and basically they're worse than they were last year with Whitman. And it's just, just look at the comments from Wizards fans on Twitter, and they're just disheartened. There's nothing to look forward to right now. The very thing you didn't want to happen happened last night when your starting backcourt are both wearing nice suits on the bench. Already. Already. I mean, John Wall, it's not his fault. They're doctor's orders. And Beal got injured, and that's death and taxes. But still, to see the starting backcourt on the bench and to see the Bulls' old-ass backcourt Rondo and Wade. take over the game, it's just it's disheartening. They're 2-7. and seven. They're going to have to play six to seven hundred ball just to get into the playoffs and it's just feeling like this is a lost season already. We haven't felt like this this early in the season since before Bradley Bill was here. And so it's just it's disheartening. I don't know if you saw me tweet Derek Fisher's opinion. He still feels like <laughs> Derek Fisher Let's trying to make a comeback? Does he does he want to play on the team? No, he's just he's just being a good good analyst and he said that the Wizards, once they get healthy and he threw Jan Mahimi's name in there, which Completely nullified his point. So, the season isn't over. They can get hot. They have played well in spots, but to be two and seven, and the Brooklyn Nets and Trevor Booker have a better record than the Wizards is just very disheartening. What What are the reasons that, that you've seen for this two and seven? I mean, I got a bunch of them listed. Well, but what, what comes to mind the first ones that when you say why are they two and seven? What comes to your mind? What What did our leader Marcin Gorsat say? It's just <laughs> the bench. I mean, the bench the bench has not been good. There have been three DMPs in a row for the second highest paid player you acquired in uh, Andrew Nicholson. I don't get that. Um, Sadoransky is great for a bench player. He's great. He looks. He's game for the challenge every night. He plays great defense, as Zach Lowe demonstrated in his article. But there's just no consistency. And, you know, Trey Burke is finally playing well now that he doesn't have to run the team. But there's nothing... There's no pop off the bench. We're the second low, well, no, we're the lowest scoring team off the bench. So that's one thing. Number two, Wall can't go all out yet. I mean, even when he's playing, he plays well for three quarters. He makes bad decisions down the stretch. And I'm not even counting the, the text. I'm just counting, just trying to force the ball, taking bad shots, leaving open players on the perimeter. Um, Beal hasn't hit a groove yet for whatever reason. And this team just... There hasn't been that signature win where you feel like, okay, Scott Brooks really has a hold of this team. We were talking about earlier, beating the Celtics is nothing to be proud of. They didn't have arguably two of their best players, and uh, Crowder and Horford. and Horford. And beating Atlanta looks like a fluke because Atlanta is 7-2 and two right now. So mm-hmm. they just haven't had that signature win. Um, you can argue that they haven't played consistent ball because all, all their ducks haven't been in a row. When everybody's healthy... Including Mahimni, maybe they'll go on a roll, but that hasn't happened yet. But two and seven, there's that. There's no excuse for that. There's there's a lot wrong with this team right now. Stats don't lie. Let's get a little stats yeah. analytics. Right. Uh, the team is currently 19th in the league in defense efficiency. They are 22nd in the league in offensive efficiency. They are they're allowing they're shooting 31 percent from three, allowing 39 percent from three. 29th in the league. Uh, 
in opponents shooting three-pointers, and they are 27th in themselves shooting three-pointers. But they're also, it is the makes. The difference, uh, they give up 10.8 makes a game and only make 5.8, and those are also uh, some of the worst in the league. So they're giving up 15 points before the game starts mm-hmm. at the three-point line. Is this and, the time and, to mention that Scott Brooks <laughs> harped on defense in, in training camp? <laughs> yeah, it, I wrote it in my recap of the, of, of the Boston game, and I'll talk about some of my observations from that a little bit later. But and Kyle broke this down in his preview for the Chicago game, and like what's happening. He looked at contested transition, what's going on, and he really didn't come to conclusion why the defense is so bad. Right. And you know, a lot of it was pick and rolls. They were doing good with spot ups, but the rest of them, any other metric that you can make with defense and you break down the, the numbers, they're just really poorly and bad. And, and it's when you watch it is why, why do, why do you think they're so bad at defense? I don't, I, I don't, I don't know. And in, 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 in the thing I wrote about as well, and we've harped on it all last year is the reason Randy Woodman got fired. Mm-hmm. The reason that he's gone is the defense went to shit. Cause all of a sudden he had the same whip ball, shitty offense. And then his defense went from top five in the league, and then it went down to average, and they never really recovered. And at one point, they were on pace to have the worst three-point defense in NBA history. And they ended up, ended up not they ended up not fitting last, tied for second to last last year, giving up. And so we're still, even though they get rid of the coach, bring in a new one, and the same issues at three-point line, and they're actually right. shooting and making less three-pointers than they did last year. I don't, I don't, I, have I, I, don't I do. I, I don't, but I watched them against Houston and. James Harden just had a virtuoso performance, and what he would do is he would drive. I would see Wall gambling. I would see Bill gambling and Otto gamble. And, you know, Harden would get into the lane. If nobody gambled, he would take it to the basket. If somebody collapsed on him, he would kick it out to Ariza or to Gordon. And he just carved up the Wizards' defense. There's just a, there's no discipline in their, in their personnel right now. And... You know, maybe there's a different system than what Whitman had, but I just don't see any discipline. And against somebody like Harden or even against Isaiah Thomas, you know, it's just not there. I, I don't know why. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's personnel, but Scott Brooks made promises, and it's, it's not it's not happening. Yeah, he's opened his line of criticism up when he emphasized, oh, we're emphasize defense, 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 and right. then I just gave you the numbers that they're <laughs> one of the worst defenses in the league, and especially in the three-point line in this league going to more small ball and we're right back to where we maybe thought we were before we wanted to go to Whitball and go smaller. And, and, and Brooks has been playing uh, you know, more small, you know, Otto and Kelly Oubre. And he's shown an ability and a willingness to throw different things at the wall. It's just, right. does he have enough to be thrown at this wall? He doesn't. And, and to Brooks' credit, though, he's not bullheaded. He so isn't. He like played Sadoransky. He didn't give up on Trey Burke. You know, I, I give him credit for that. But the bottom line is... You could talk about small sample sizes all you want. We're about to be 10 games in. They're the second worst team in the East. And Beal is hurt. And Wall can't play back-to-backs. And you're just wondering where where is that momentum going to come from. Now, it's not Yann Mahimi who, is, who has not played yet. It is not. No. But is he, is he going to stop the – no, he's going to help. Definitely in the second unit, he'll help. It, but is he going to stop these three-point lines in transition? That's no. not really his game. His, his game is – protecting on the rim. In, in the paint. And rebounding, but I don't think that's been that big of an issue, has it? it had, well, I guess, like, take Houston. He wasn't going to do anything against Dwight Howard, you yeah. know? So I don't I, I don't know. And plus... Well, no, even Dwight Howard's not there anymore. It's Capella and... Or no, uh, you're talking about Atlanta. What, yeah. No, for Houston. Yeah. Uh, yeah, Atlanta. But even if... Okay, let's say Mahimni comes back and he has the three, four games he has to get back in game shape. 
there's still big problems. I Mahimi mean, doesn't score. Mm-hmm. You know, I just, I just, I have deep concerns about when this team is going to hit their rhythm, going to hit their stride, and I, I don't, I don't see it. Um, but we, we should harp on some positives. Well, I'm not done. Okay, keep going, the niggers. No, because I think another thing that we've seen in these losses, we saw it in Memphis, we saw it in Atlanta right away. Mm-hmm. There's been a a common commonality thread of where they would hang for three quarters and then something in the fourth quarter would go to shit even maybe early in the fourth maybe the five minutes it happened in Houston right. Toronto they were in these games and then the other teams just made those plays and made those runs and now that, and that's a lot on John Wall and Bradley Beal not knowing what they're doing what type of sets and plays they're running they just have sloppy the shot clock a couple times went down I was like your Beal was dribbling around in nowhere it happened I, last night I mean without them in Chicago the in the Cavs thing. game too I mean, right. they were in that game and then they just you know bam Cavs went on a run and the Wizards had no answer and spacing right. was terrible and so then it's like okay well, wow we can harp on the bench and yes the bench has been really bad mm-hmm. and you know they have dug them holes uh, or, you know, the Wizards would have a lead and the bench would give it up or they would d- dig them too much of a hole for the bench to come back. Yeah. But there has been this late game crunch time execution that has been flawed and, and and it's happened in a lot of games. I mean, they get one stop against Memphis or make one more bucket, they win that game. I think things will maybe a little bit different. They could have beat Houston. I don't know if they really could have beat Cleveland on Friday night, but, I mean, they make some shots to do that. They competed, I think, a little bit more than people thought, but that's without Beal. Yeah. Uh but I, I, so it's like, okay, is this the new system? We don't know what we're really doing. That there is this, I don't know. If they have a set play they want to run when they need a bucket yet. I don't see any of that. When you know, they, they try to do the high pick and roll sometimes with with Markeef or or Gortat, but then then just while Gortat somehow are on the page right page sometimes. I'm like, you guys been on the pick and roll now for three fucking years together. Well, I don't, I don't think Wall is at a hundred percent, and yeah. I think he when he gets on a roll, particularly against Houston, I noticed he got on a roll. He scored two baskets in a row, and he would opt for the heat check just to make sure. Okay, am I feeling good enough? Am I, you know, am I back to where I was? And there were a couple possessions where he left Otto hanging on the perimeter or Beal hanging out, and he didn't get them involved. So the next time down the floor, he would try to pass it to Beal or Otto, and they were expecting him to score. And there were just miscommunications there, or even with, as you said, um, Gortat. So they're not in sync yet. And you know, when you're a superstar and you're coming out of surgery. You're trying to see, okay, do I have it? You're trying to test to see am I back? And for, at, in Wall's case, that's coming at the expense of the offense, and they're just not, they're just not in sync. And on top of that, Bill is not playing; he's not hitting on our cylinders, despite the wonderful body that he has uh, that he worked on. The offseason. He's just, yeah, just, I haven't heard Buckets <laughs> talk about his. No, he's got him chilled out of two and seven to do that to you. About, take, his, about his ripped shoulders. Yeah, or, it'll take the wind out of yourself. But they're just not. They're not playing well collectively. There hasn't been a game where everything is clicking. And, you know, until that happens, they're just going to struggle. So is this a lack of talent? Is this is this bigger? This because you mentioned Nicholson's DMP. Huh. Three games. Three, three games of DMP. Huh. You know, we've seen flashes of Sadoransky's played well. The bench, Burke and... and the Burke Smith Thornton lineups aren't really. I mean, no one should be shocked that those kind of guys and players aren't producing winning basketball. You know, but there's not enough talent for them to win the East. But they have more talent than the Brooklyn Nets, who are four and five. That is so true. they should be playing better than they than, than they are. Otto is playing like an all star, and so that should account for them to be better than two and seven. Mm-hmm. Um, but 
It's just, you are what your record says you are. So right now, they're not playing well. Now, they can beat the Knicks starting on Thursday. So that they can start there. Well, six, uh, Sixers on Wednesday, actually. Oh, okay. Yeah. So I'm assuming everybody's going to be healthy. John Wall will play. I don't know what's going on with Bill's mm-hmm. tight, hamstring. Tight hamstring. Right. So, you know, if I'm if I'm Scotty Brooks, I'm saying, look, let's, let's put the pass behind us. Let's start with the Sixers uh, that we should beat and go from there. So... Are we at the positive yet? Yeah, no, no. I know, there'll be a positive. Yeah, good point, Rashad. Uh, you know, and I think, it, you know what? I guess I'm going to sound like Ted Leonson's here, uh, Ted's take. This has been a tough schedule. Uh, I mean, they've played, they're 2-7, and seven, they've played a lot of tough teams, meaning that they have teams coming up who aren't as tough that they have to win these games. And and so, I don't give 100% to that. But, and then Beal hasn't been. We're sitting out John Wall. They beat Orlando if John Wall plays that game in Orlando. Uh, maybe he should have played last night instead of playing against the Cavs, even though we know that John Wall was not going to probably sit out a no, chance to play Kyrie and LeBron at home. That would screw your season ticket holders, too, and your fans. Right, you're not, you're not doing that. So, but in hindsight, maybe you should have played. They would have had a better chance of beating that Bulls team last night than they would the Cavs. So then the Memphis three, like I mentioned. So there's a few things here and there that I can see that this is a tough stretch. You know, there's been a lot of games, too, back-to-backs. They put a game almost every other day. Some travel. No, I'm going to excuse. No, no, let's give a shit. No, no thing, but, I was to hear that. But, but I think there is something where there is, we haven't played, the, you know, we haven't been able to feast on the Sixers yet. You know, the Magic, the Magic who suck, we didn't have wall. So but I hear what you're saying, but at the same time, listen to the comments out of the locker room after games. Mm-hmm. Listen to what you're hearing. You're hearing things as if Whitman is the coach. Oh, we weren't. We weren't listening to the coach. We didn't play as hard as we could. Our bench sucks. Like, these aren't comments you expect from a coach who's been there 20 minutes. Yeah. Like, these are things you expect to hear from Whitman because you don't believe in his system and you want him out. They're saying this about a new coach. So, I hear what you're saying about there have been a lot of extenuating circumstances, but... Mihimi's out as well. But there are a lot of things that you should not be hearing this early in the season. Well, this good segue, Rashad. Uh, last night, our Polish friend, the Hammer, uh, gave a quote to uh, Candace Buckner of the Washington Post. It's a tough loss. We can't get used to it. We can't get comfortable with that, Gortat said. We've got to do something about that right now. It's not fun anymore. It's not fun. I mean, it's bad. What can we do? Well, this is where, he, this is where Gortat answers his own questions. <laughs> what can we do? Well, we've got to play better. We've got to compete. We need energy. We need effort. we got to make shots. I think there's a lot of things that we can do better. I think right now, as far as I know, I think we've got one of the worst benches in the league right now. I'm reading from CBS Sportsline, who picked this story up and picked those quotes up from Marchin. Kyle had some some comments like, yo, dude, you said this fun thing last year. Maybe you should just get over yourself about fun. You're a professional basketball player. I kind of see some of that criticism. What did you think of this quote? Marchin, maybe just shut the fuck up, right? What's well, he doing? I mean, the irony is you, you're bitching about the bench, but there are two bench players who were starting who were the reason why you were fucking in the game. It's Skadaransky and McClellan. <laughs> yes. So your bench doesn't suck. There's there's no chemistry there. I just We've both been in the locker room, and I, I told you earlier, whenever Marchin speaks, the Wizards PR staff hovers over him, looks like a curse button, just waiting for him to say something stupid. And I just... I. That's not the kind of thing you expect to hear from your basically your oldest player on the roster. That's, I thought that was irresponsible. It's not true. It wasn't true after that game. Yeah, you know, that, you, that wasn't a game for him to right, say. If you want right? to say it early in the season, that's fine. But that's not why you lost. You lost because you were shorthanded. You didn't have your best players. But, again, like what I said before, the quotes coming out of that locker room when they lose are just a team that has no faith in the system and the coach and each other. And... 
I, we, I, and we just got a new coach and a new right. staff and gave him $35 right. million dollars and all this. The reason why you fire a coach and bring in another one is because you want to rebuild the belief in that you can win. You want to, ch- I mean, I hate this expression, but you want to change the culture, change yes. the conversation. And none of that is happening right now. And that is what's disheartening for me. I mean, all that, that goodwill that they build up for the opening game is gone. And they're sniping and bitching at one another. And so if you're Gortat, how do you go to practice tomorrow? After you just kill Jason Smith. <laughs> well, no, I mean, or Trey Burke or Thornton or who, or, who, Burke, who are, or Sadoransky yes. or Oubre. If you kill half your, not even half your team, you kill over sixty percent of your team. How, how, how does that? Let, 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 let us, let us, this uh, pesky asshole bloggers write write about how it's the worst. The worst right. You don't you don't say it out loud. Right. Where the Leave, Colts get picked up. Leave, yeah. Leave it to the professionals. And, and you know, kids, you know, everyone's on their social media and they have some thing and they pops up that quote. They go to inside hoops or. You know, uh, some of those sites I know they go to, the players right. do. That's where they get the most of their information. And, and you know that quote's going to be on there. They're going to see right. it. Right. And so what I want to hear at practice tomorrow, I want to hear somebody ask Scott Brooks about it. And I want to hear what he says. Mm. Because to me, it's an indictment on the coaching when not that you can control players because they're their own men. But you should just be able to put forth a theme of optimism to make this team Feel like, like okay. they're pointing fingers. He's pointing fingers already. He is pointing fingers right? already. Already two and seven, and we're pointing fingers so, when you don't have Bill on the wall. Like well, there, there's pointing an, fingers Amy opening night. <laughs> I mean, Bill's been pointing fingers with every. Oh line. yeah, let's talk about Bill. Bill's been going off on these quotes too. Right. We've talked about it. Remember last year in that Sacramento's, we we've podcast about that, and I remember we talked about when the whole tension between him and Wall about this bravado that Bill would say these things. There are always these platitudes, but now he's continually doing it. When we could argue, he's only had one good game. And Bill was one bitching, good game this season. He was bitching opening night. <laughs> When, as our fellow Truth About It colleague showed, he was the main one on defense who just was missing assignments. He wasn't doing shit. And so... Oh, I guess the Rockets, he let Trevor Ariza, who missed a lot of them, but made a couple... Like, he would... Like, I let him just go back on defense and not go to him. And it'd be like the break, someone would pick up him, and then another guy would get open. you're like, I'd go, rewind it to see how did that guy get open? It's because someone had to take Beal's man in transition, and he never ran back to take his guy. Look, let me it, tell you something. In the locker room, of course... Ariza didn't say this in front of a microphone, but he was talking to a member of the media, and he said, you know, you spend two, three years with somebody, you know their tendencies. I know what they're going to do, and I use that to my advantage. Well, Ariza had like three, four steals in the fourth quarter alone. Yeah. It didn't seem like the Wizards remembered who Ariza is and what he does. Even they, they were, I thought Nene had a good game for them as well. Nene had a good game. Coppola. You covered that game. I Houston, did. Right? And I covered the Celtics. Well, let's, let's just, what was your takeaways from the Houston game? Number one, Nene is totally happy. Like, he's just, he's in a situation where he's not dependent upon. He comes in for 20 minutes, he anchors the defense, and then he gets to sit back on the bench. He's in a perfect situation for him, and he's among veterans. Ariza said a lot of things, again, off camera, just was like, you know, I have nothing bad to say about that team. He loved Otto. He went on and on about Otto and how good it is to see him grow, but he likes the situation he's in because he feels like he's with veterans who know how to play. Mm-hmm. And it just struck me how, you know, how, well, Ariza left because he wanted to go back home. But there was a lot of bellyaching about Nene from fans and bloggers alike. But you could use somebody in the locker room like that now. I mean. The David I, West type. Even a Garrett Temple. Right. Well, David West is washed up. But <laughs> Nene still has. Well, I didn't even get the Temple. You yeah. just need players. Back who, up big. Who know how to play and who have the temperament. Where things go wrong, maybe before Beal 
goes to the media, Temple pulls him aside and be like, look, don't say that, man. We're we're good, we're good. Or Nene pulls Gortat aside and be like, you don't have to say that. Don't don't say that. Gortat's already was already calling games must win. <laughs> Two games in the season. Envy. Must MBO was saying we need to look at ourselves. I don't even want to find the quotes because I was they pissed me off. Not in a way that what he was saying was matter, but it's the same stuff I've always complained about, Bill. These empty platitudes of this false bravado or try to blame other people, but then he'll say it's his own blame. But then someone's like, right. yo, dude, shut the fuck up and go back and run back on defense. Right. After you know, after and go, and go, go, go get 25. Put in 25, run back on defense, and then you can just talk what the fuck you want to talk about. But when it's uh, now you got a tight hamstring, now you're sitting out. Which is his fault. I mean, it's not his fault. You get hurt, and NBA's a long season, and, and I'm okay with them being precautionary on this. But what we'll, but like I said, in in what nine games? So in seven that he's played, I would argue what the Atlanta game at home is the only one I could say he had a good game. Right. So, but how many times has he already come out and said these quotes get to get to splash the headlines? Too many. Right. Too many. And so, who's the leader of this team? I guess that's my that would be my question. Who's the leader? Mm-hmm. Last year, the leader on the court was Wall. The spiritual leader, the the heart of the team, was Nene. I don't I don't know who that is now. And part of me wonders, are we painting this picture of gloom and doom because we're knee-deep in the Wizards and, and we're just, you know, is, is there a silver lining to be had? Yeah. Was Derek Fisher right? <laughs> God. I, I don't know if I want to get that much. What, what you know, and going back to this bench, uh, so uh, James Herbert of, uh, of CBS Sportsline, when he takes the Gortat quote, mm-hmm. he basically he says, well, I think he makes the point that you made. He's like, Gortat's correct, but, you know, uh, Sadoransky and McClellan actually played well in the game. You know, we're going to get to them when we talk positive. Is that when Trey Burke and Marcus Thornton have been shared the backcourt, the Wizards have been outscored 28 points per 100 possessions. When Burke and Smith have been on the court together, they have been outscored 18 points per 100 possessions. Andrew Nicholson, $26 million, has been racking up DMPs. And also, Kyle mentioned, what tweet did he put out? Uh, where's Angel Nicholson? And this is where this uh, Orlando fan or blogger goes. Same as last year. Coach realizes he's a black hole on offense and useless on defense, so Jason Smith takes his minutes two years in a row. <laughs> and Jason Smith's been, he, I thought he's, there's been some games he's been really bad. A couple of games I think he's been okay. But once again, we we don't need him to play. Uh, Marcus Thornton. It's been an offense, but he still drives me insane. He took a, took a three-pointer with 19 seconds on the shot clock against the Rockets that literally had me like, cussing on my couch. Well, let me say, when Houston was in town... <laughs> For the, was it was the Houston game, yes. When I was looking at Jason Smith, and I just kept shaking my head because then I looked over across the court and saw Ryan Anderson. That's who the Wizards really wanted. And I saw that we ended up with Jason Smith, and it was just magic. Mm-hmm. Like, Jason Smith is not Ryan Anderson, and... Commercial break time. Yes, I have a sponsor, Sneakis, S-N-E-E-K-I-S dot com, DC, DMV, sports apparel, hoodies, long sleeve, hats, t-shirts, hook your friends up, hook your girl up, hook yourself up. Very cool, neat designs that you will enjoy. And at checkout, you get 10% off when you enter Pixel and Roll on your order. And also in the process, you support Wizards independent media like this show that is not owned by Comcast or Monumental. Thank you everyone for your support. Now back to the show. Thornton, he's 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 a one trick pony. If he's not scoring, he's useless. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. I didn't. I don't know why like, Summer Brooks loves to play him for some reason. I don't. I don't. I don't <laughs> he was know the first guy at the bench. Uh, you know, then he he started against the Cavs, and he started yes, against the Cavs because Beal didn't play. Why not start Ubre? I mean, I understand. <laughs> 
Now, granted, to Brooks's credit, he showed McClellan last night. We're going to get to some good parts. Right, and I'm him. sure he wanted to keep Ubre on the bench so that he could anchor that that unit. But I don't I don't know why he's he's on the roster. I mean, again, Zach Lowe last week just basically killed Thornton and said that there's been way too much. Marcus <laughs> yeah. I mean, oh, I call it the Marcus Thornton experience. <laughs> it's not a policy, a positive one. Now, Boston, he did shoot and did play well, but he doesn't play any defense. He's a ball hog. He's Earl Boykins. <laughs> I mean, he's a tall. I mean, when he's on, he's on, and it's great. But Oh, yeah, he'll shoot contested shots, and he'll, you need some offense. He's fine. But a lot of times what I was seeing, especially in Houston, and what you're talking about with Zach Lowe is too much. Marcus Thornton is that it's like we're going small. We're going good. And then Mark Sorton just grabbed the ball and just shot it all the time. He, like, hijacked the complete offense. They go on an 8-0 run, wipe out their lead, and it's like, wow, Marcus Sorton just took three shots, missed them, and we didn't have no ball movement. And it's all because of the, that's just his thing. Now, I'm killing him. Now, what about Trey Burke? Now, he has had a tough start. He had a great game against the Celtics, probably one of the better ones. I saw him have some good moves against the Cavs. And had a And last night, I didn't really see much of him last night. But... Your thoughts on him? I think he's been kind of better off the ball than Wallace. No, not kind of. Not kind of. I totally is. I right? think he's not. He's no longer a point guard. Whatever. He's magic. a scorer. He's like a Jamal Crawford type, right? Oh come on, that's not. Uh, well, not. But I mean, not, but he's 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 better off the ball, he, especially against Cleveland. He knows how to create some space. But yeah. he doesn't have the range against him. But he's in that guys. weird no man's land where he thought he was going to be the backup point guard. Jason, um, Scott Brooks thought he was going to be the backup point guard, but he's not. So now he's trying to figure out how to adjust as being basically the off guard. Like I don't I don't know what his role is. He's not a great scorer. He's good at creating space, but he's not he's not doing what he was brought here to do. And that's a little disheartening. Sadoransky, as Adam Rubin has been saying since day one, he's a legitimate point guard. He has a good feel for the game. He has the intangibles. He defends. He runs the pick and roll great with whoever he's running it with and he's you know he's he's making Trey Burke look like he's he's expendable. Mm-hmm. To be honest, um, Trey Burke doesn't do a good enough job. Whatever he does, that I feel like he's a must-have on this roster. So I I, I just I don't Gortat's right <laughs> in that sense. You know, in that sense. So you have Smith, Thornton, and Trey Burke. All three of them are expendable. Like they don't bring any one thing to the table where you feel like we have to have them. And then Nicholson. Nicholson hasn't played. Ubre. I can't believe we were considering starting him. <laughs> how silly so, so is that? Oubre still is in summer league mode. You know, very excitable. He does one thing right. He's, you know, gesturing to the crowd. But he's not He's not defending well. He's picking up fouls and bunches. And it's just... It's And it seems that he's not... He's got some DMPs as well. And yeah. to Scott Brooks' credit, then he would play him too. Where different approach than Whitman, which I, I, I like. Mm-hmm. But Oubre... I think he gave a quote that he's just not there defensively, and that's why he's not no. getting regular PT minutes. And that he said he thought he had a good game offensively, but he's just, you know, in bad positions, not rotating well. Right. He's having mental lapses, and he's getting crushed. And, and Brooks is really he's like, I know he's a defense coach, emphasize, but he's like paying attention to that, and that's why he's not earning more PT. His drives, his drives are his drives still worry me. Sometimes I'm just like, yo, dude, just get on the break and run with wall and try to finish and shoot the corner three. Don't try to do, once he tries to do too much inside the rim, and he doesn't have that part of his game yet, especially in the NBA. Cause this isn't summer league. This is actual right. NBA players, but he still has shown ability to shoot the three and run the break. And I thought the Cavs game, he had a couple good moves. So you, so you see this confidence going, but he's, he's no, he's too young and he's, he, we're talking about, I think sometimes that people, 
I liked when he's in. I like when him, Porter, and Sadoransky are in with Wall. You know, they're playing small. I love that. I love that lineup. A couple of times that Brooks has employed it, but yeah, he still is the same thing that I. He still has a lot way to go to where, where fans thought. Right. And compared to, so let's just talk about the positives. That means because Otto Porter was was the one, and Otto. Uh, let's look at Otto's numbers. He has been incredible. He's been great. Yeah, he was amazing. 14. Yeah, he was amazing against the his stat line. His performance against the Celtics was in. I, it was the best I'd ever seen him play basketball ever. Right. He was all over the place, hitting threes, doing the sills, doing the the auto stuff. But then his confidence on the break, he's perfected the step back move. Yes, better than Beals. Beals spent all summer supposedly trying to get the step back, and it's worked a little bit. But Otto's like, I'm just gonna do this one move, and it's this mid range game, and he and he's crushing it. And so this well, is his when you step. watch when I watch Beal, it's like he overthinks. So oh he'll, yeah, he'll drive, he'll step back, he'll have the shot. And he'll want to show off a hesitation dribble, and he'll go back, and it's like he gets lost in himself. Totally. Otto has been decisive as hell. He yes. does one move. And the thing I like about Otto is, is the mean streak. Yeah, he's getting a little Like, meaner, he'll make right? a shot. He'll, he has a scowl on his face. He doesn't look like a deer in headlights. He's getting mad at the refs. He's getting screwed on some calls, and I see him like. Like, I almost like the other night, I was like, get a tee, dude. Like, yell to, of course, I'm always bitching about Markeith getting tees and, and Wall, but like, right. this time I'm like, no, because it was a bullshit call. Like, uh, it was Lopez, totally just got in his way, and they didn't call foul. They gave, they gave the Wizards the ball, but Otto, and then they gave a foul on Otto immediately after. Right. And he was like, who the fuck is that? And I was like, yo, dude, this is where he, he yelled. Was, he was getting more demonstrative. <laughs> I, I like the Otto I'm seeing, and part of it is, and your favorite sportscaster ever, Tony Corn, has to talk about this. You can't overlook the correlation between Otto's game taking off and the Wizards basically saying, nah, we don't believe you. We don't believe that you're going to be good, so we're going to wait. Yeah. Since then, he had, I mean, last night he just had a mediocre game. Yeah, but, that's probably his worst game. He only had eight then, points. he's showing that he's gonna, the Wizards are going to have to pay him. They're going to have to pay him more than they thought they are because he's, he's having a great year. And I think he's motivated by basically being snubbed contract-wise. I understand why the Wizards did it. I think it was smart, but he's going to Did they it. ever even... I, I never... I've tweeted... I haven't even asked. Like, I was going to ask Candace or ask Jay Michael or even, you know, someone close to him. Uh, did they even give him an offer? No. They never gave him any no. offer. Because they, they still gave Beal an offer last year, even though it was just kind of like... They knew he was... No. Nope. It was in their interest to, to, do, to have it play out the way it did. They didn't give But they never even gave him any nope. type of... And I saw Jay Michael sit down with Ernie Grunfeld, and Ernie was like, you know, Adol's a great young player, and basically... I don't want to disrespect Otto, but they, they basically said, he's a good guy. He's not going to get mad. He's not going to care what we do. He'll be there for us at the end. They, they just disrespected Otto. Like, they don't, no matter what the Wizards do, Otto is still going to be loyal, at least so they think. Yeah. And they, they took advantage of his temperament up to that point. And Otto is showing, you're, you're going to have to pay me. He's like Rod Tidwell right now. You know? <laughs> oh, like, Dave Falk. You know, who I hate. He's definitely uh, paying attention. He's going to use this as leverage. So, he's ha- I mean, so far he's having a great year. So, here's the stats. 15 points. Yep. Uh, eight rebounds from the floor. Three offensive per game. He's averaging three offensive, which is pretty good for damn All player. All career highs, by the way. Uh, he shoot- he's only shooting 32% from three, but he's shooting 63% from two. So and so he is shooting uh, overall. He's shooting fifty five percent from the field. Yep. So that that is damn impressive. Uh, he's only point eight turnovers, so he's not really doing too much. One point seven uh, assists, almost a blocking game and a steal a game. And and the rebounds, he was just flying in in the Boston game out of nowhere. He was out, he had 
as many offensive rebounds as the whole team for Boston. And he's improving on defense. He doesn't look overmatched, especially against um, even in preseason against Carmelo. He doesn't look overmatched anymore. He looks like he belongs. He has his hands on balls. No, there's got to be a better way to say that. You know what I mean? He just looks like active, he, active. He, hands. he looks active, and that's that's deflections. Last year we were making fun of him because he said he was tired. Yeah, you know? but he looks like he belongs now, and that's that is encouraging. So between he and Sadoransky, the pieces are there. Mm-hmm. But all of this works because Wall's at 100 percent and Beal's at 100 percent. That, that's, that's not the case right now. It doesn't feel like they really run plays for him either. Who, I don't? Yeah, no, they, they, don't. they don't have any sets for him. Like he's getting this thirty-four career. His, his previous career average was twenty-six. Right, he had thirty-four. Uh, I think it was like thirty-four. Four. I mean, his line was his line was outstanding. But then it doesn't feel like all right, we've, all right, I just got a hot hand that's running. It just seems that he just no. like, runs to the corner. Sometimes will get it or lead the break, and he's getting these buckets or he'll get the rebound and put it back up. They're not actually running him off a couple of screens. And, and he's like Anton Jameson <laughs> in that, to that effect. Like they didn't run plays for Jameson, but. He just always managed to get his points somehow, and that, that's how Otto is. And it has to be consistency, too. And so, you know, I thought he played okay versus the Cavs as well. And he has to play, last night was his worst game of the right. career. Probably when they needed the or worst game of the season, he only had eight points. And when they needed the most, I think he was three for, finished three for 12. Yeah, but then again, the, the, the knock back to back, Otto But was, they, they knew that, that Otto was the only one that was probably going to score. Right. They keyed on him defensively. And Otto, as good as he is, he needs Wall and Bill to be on the court in order for him to thrive. And if they're not there, he's put in a position where he has to do more offensively than he's capable of. Totally. So I don't, I don't, I don't knock him on that. But, you know, he's had he done this last year, he would have gotten offered that contract. I mean, the Wizards would have had to give him that contract. The fact that he had a shitty year last year and he didn't make – Anybody forget Paul Pierce is why he's being punished now. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I'm, I was just talking about him getting his comeuppance. The Wizards are well within their right to say, you know what, we need to see a little more. Because uh-huh. he wasn't doing this last year. So, But it, it's, it's encouraging to know that they have three good scores. Yeah. You know? So, And it's, and it's part, even though I'm... Comp- I guess not complaining, talking about how they're not running plays for him, mm-hmm. but it's also a positive that the Eagles getting this without plays. That right. you don't you don't have to run Beal around, dribble around for twenty seconds to get a shot off. Right. Like Otto will kind of pick his spots and get there, especially in transition. He's yeah. been a lot better in transition. Uh, you know, he's at, he's using you know he's always his knock is he wasn't that much athleticness. And I haven't really seen that. I think he's getting a little stronger yeah. too. So he's, on defense, he's not getting bull, bull, bullied the way he used to. Right. In, in you know first couple of years in the league. Now another positive story, McClellan. I thought he was. I thought he was great last night. I think he t- tapered off a little bit, but to have a first start to go against Dwayne Wade when he played at the University of Miami as an undrafted rookie, right? And yeah. and he hit a shot right off the bat. First shot, three pointer made it. I thought he was. He looked like he belonged. He had a, oh, Buck hand, talk about Buck hands going off. He was couldn't stop talking about this one mood he had, which was a great move. But he right. just oh, he just, you know, he's slobbering yeah, all he over was, it. He was coming on himself. Yeah, <laughs> but McLeod was playing like he did in preseason, just not giving a damn. And it was it was nice to see. I don't think that translates every night, but yeah. it was. I mean, again, all Gortat had to do was look at the starting backcourt and be a little bit encouraged. And he even had McClellan in against the Cavs at the end of the game, which I, I, I yeah, found I mean, bizarre. He just, I mean, isn't he a four-year player? He is a four-year player, yeah. So, I mean, that... that He's six know. six, athletic, can shoot a little. Right. And he and he knows that he has a limited amount of time to dazzle, and, that, and that's exactly what he did. So, you know, maybe maybe when everybody's healthy, he deserves to be the second player off the bench after after Sadoransky, you know, just for some, for some spark, because... 
I don't get that inspiration by watching Trey Burke or Jason Smith. Or Nicholson's not even playing. Or Nicholson, so... Or Thornton got it. I don't even want to talk about Thornton anymore. We've already no, talked about no Thornton too much. But, but what, you know, in, but yeah, like this guy's earned some playing time. Right. Where, whereas, once again, this is nothing I like about about Scott Brooks compared to so many women. McCollum never would have got that opportunity. Oh no, no, no! He would have started all the veterans. He never, if he did anything bad, he'd put in the doghouse, and he never, he never would have allowed McCollum to even foster any of this. But where I like McClellan over Thornton is McClellan is active on both ends of the floor. Totally. And his energy is infectious. Where, when's the last time you saw someone feed off of Thornton jacking up shots? Yeah. Like, it's just not, it's just not the same. And so, there are, there are elements of this bench that are encouraging. But again, none of this works unless Wall and Bill are hitting on all cylinders. And that, I hate to keep harping on it, but the reason why they're two and seven is there has not been a signature victory. Well, not, not at all. New, New York, yeah, and the Atlanta game is... No. Atlanta, Atlanta and not Boston. There, there, there's still time for a signature victory. Hopefully it'll come against Philly. But even Philly makes me nervous because who's going to guard and beat? Yeah, that's true. What What about Sadoransky? We mentioned a little bit earlier, and Adam, our colleague Adam Rubin has, was... On you know, the free Sadie, free Sado. I think Phil Shanero's called him Sado last night. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Sadie, Sado, uh, you know, Tomas, Tomas, Tomas. <laughs> what have you seen out of him? What, I, what I've been impressed by, the things that I've liked so far, is he's really good on the two-man game. He knows, where, he can tell he has those point guard skills that you mentioned. He knows where Gortat's going to be. He leads them. You can see him cerebral. You know, he had a couple good fakes and up and unders, and you know he's picking his spots. He doesn't seem like he's doing. He's not trying to do too much. Sometimes it's like you're trying to like, all right, I gotta do it all. Like, even sometimes to a detriment. I mean, with some of the Chris's, I would say of him. Sometimes I'm like, I'd right, be more. Now I would say you're aggressive, but like, look for your own a little bit more. Right. And I think that they were mentioning that on the broadcast last night that you have to be able to be a shooter or be a driver. So then there's a little more respecting because he's been maybe a tad too unselfish. Right. But but to his credit. He is he is reading the defenses and picking part where they're where, where they're doing and not trying to force the action and I've really enjoyed that and we haven't really seen his athleticism yet I mean a couple of times but I've not seen a sick dunk yet from him no. I haven't seen an alley oop but he has that the guy can get up he does <laughs> so well, I, I'm waiting for this like this what the white boy moment that he had in, in the uh, in the preseason where the players are like oh shit there's that report where in some practice in training camp I don't know where he's like crammed on somebody and everyone's like oh okay right, this guy yeah, can play that, that was racist <laughs> but. <laughs> I think it was Gortat. There were, there were a couple yeah. plays when Trey Burke was still, like, one of our questions, and we're jumping, I'm jumping yeah. around, but one of the questions was how many more games would we have won had Sadoransky played more, mm-hmm. particularly the first three games, and maybe we would have won one more, but Trey Burke would come in, and there were a couple possessions where he would pass the ball early to Beal or to someone, and then he would just go to the corner, he wouldn't get the ball back. He wouldn't run the offense. He would just give the ball up and wait for the ball back as if he were an off guard. Sadoransky doesn't do that. Oh, that was he a Raptors in Memphis game for sure. He that... comes down. He gets people where they need to be. He passes the ball. If, if whoever he passes the ball, they don't do anything with it. He runs back, gets it, goes back to the top of the key, resets. He runs a two-man game. He has a mid-range jumper, which I didn't think he had, which looks good. He knows how to drive. He's disruptive on defense. He still gets beat a little you know, a little much for my liking because he doesn't have the foot speed, but he's willing to stick his nose in there. I just like the polish. And that polish comes with having played professional ball overseas in Spain. He he just has polish. And he has confidence. 
He has confidence with his handle. He has height to see over the defense. And it's just a luxury that we just you don't have in Trey Burke. And the Wizards haven't had as a backup point guard since arguably Antonio, Antonio Daniels. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, I, I like what I see out of him. I like the polish. I think it was well worth the wait. And he needs to be the first guard off the bench. Always. I also like the lineup. They did this, I believe, against Houston, where it was Sadoransky, Wall, and Beal. Yeah, I like that one as well. And Quarter to four, too, I think sometimes. Right, and Sadoransky was running the point, and Houston didn't. I mean, they didn't run it. They didn't have this long. But Houston didn't know quite where to focus. That, that was that was a great lineup. I'd like to see or that. even Markeith at the five too. Right. Know, I, I mean, I'd like, I'd like to see that lineup. Otto at the four, Markeith at the five, because that who, who are you going to guard? Who are mm-hmm. you going to check? So again, but again, not, I, I sound like a broken record, and I'm sorry. Yeah. It's the beer, but <laughs> those kind of lineups are predicated upon Wall and Beal hitting on all cylinders, and you're bringing in other people to kind of throw off the scent, and that that. That just hasn't happened, and I wonder. I wonder, and we'll never know this, but I wonder how they really feel about Scott Brooks and his system. Do they feel like, okay, we finally have somebody who's anti Whitman who's going to listen to us? Are they a little skeptical? Because I just don't. One of the comments Bill made was, I think that we we're going to have to listen to coach, and we're going to have to, as coach said, we're going to have to put in players who want to play, but. What Vortaz said last night didn't sound like a player who has belief in the system. Yeah. So I, I just wonder, do they believe in Scott Brooks or do they think he's too wet behind the ears? I, I, I just wonder because at, at the end of the day, you are 2-7. and seven. You're bellyaching to the media. You're doing the – I mean, I, I felt like <laughs> when they showed it on NBA TV, when they showed Wall and Bill on the bench – Derek Fisher and Steve Smith were like, that's, that's a lot of money and points on the bench. Like, that's... And we talked about... They have, this, their, sullen, they have their sullen face look, too, at the end right, of the Right, we talked about like, this in the summer. Like, <laughs> we, I, and I joked around. I was like, at some point in November and December, we are going to see Wall and Bill on the bench in nice suits. Yes. And it, how long did it take? Like, they're, they're, they're there. November already. 10th. So, it's like... I, I don't know. Like, besides the obvious optimism that we've already talked about. Yeah, yeah well, this was the optimism section. You've, 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 you've taken it back into the positive. But it's true, I, I, though. Everything you're I mean, saying I, is true. I'm optimistic. I'm happy that Sadoreski is who we thought he was. I'm happy that Porter has manned up a year later. But I don't, I don't know what I have in my top two players. Markeith looks good, too. Mm-hmm. And Markeith looks like a reliable scorer who can get you 15 to 18. Yes. I think he's been inconsistent, though. He's inconsistent. Like, he's either on or off, or he has the same kind of tantrums that he has with the refs. He gets a couple cheap fouls early, then he just chucks out. But if he gets some shots going, then he's, you know, he was great against Atlanta. He was great against Orlando. He shoots a little too much for me. That wraps up the show of me and Rashad discussing the early season woes of these Wizards. We continued on for a longer conversation, went into Ted Leonson's other structural issues with his franchise. So that should be up very soon. Go check that out. Thanks, everyone, for supporting this podcast. And as always, go Wiz. Peace out. I've been so many places in my life and time. I've sung a lot of songs. I've made some bad rhymes. 
I've acted out my love and stayed in love with 10,000 people watching. But we're alone now, and I'm singing this song to you. I know your image of me is what I hope to be. I treated you unkindly, but darling, can't you see? There's no one more important to me. Darling, can't you please see through me? 'Cause we're alone now, and I'm singing this song to you. You taught me precious secrets of the truth, withholding nothing. You came out in front, and I was hiding. But now I'm so much better. And if my words don't come together. Listen to the melody, 'cause my love's in their hiding. I love you in a place where there's no space and time. I love you for my life. You are a friend of mine. When my life is over, remember when we were together. We were alone, and I was singing this song to you. Singing this song for you. 